With summer drawing to a close here in Massachusetts, and schools already in session across much of the nation, it's time for the Ednex podcast to return from vacation. And as has become our tradition, we're doing so by focusing on the release of the annual Education Next poll, out on August 21st and available now at educationnext.org. I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and joining me today to discuss the results of this year's poll is Paul Peterson, the journal's senior editor and my co-author on an article detailing the poll's findings that you can also find on our website. Paul, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Thanks, Marty. So there's been no shortage of news in American education this past year. We've seen continued advocacy for school choice from the Secretary of Education, a Supreme Court decision banning teachers' unions from collecting fees from non-members, continued debate over the Department of Education's approach to civil rights enforcement, but none of that appears to have penetrated public thinking as much as this wave of teacher strikes and walkouts that occurred in six states this spring. This seems to have had a uh, big impact on public thinking about the merits of increasing teacher pay. Um, What exactly did we find? Well, we found that uh, support for increasing uh, teacher salaries climbs by 13 percentage points, which is a pretty big change. That's the biggest change we find in any one question in the poll. Now, admittedly, the poll came out and, and people were surveyed in May, and that was right after some of these uh, strikes had occurred or walkouts had occurred. So um, maybe it was the exact timing of the poll. We're going to have to wait and see for another year to see if this is enduring. But this is an increase that brings support for raising teacher salaries back to where it was at the time of the uh, financial crisis and the Great Recession in after 2007. So we're back to 2007 levels uh, this year. Maybe that's just the economy has picked up, but um, yeah, that's, that's, it's the biggest change in the poll. Yeah, to be clear, it, they're back at the levels that were observed just prior to the financial crisis in right. 2008. And yep. then that next year we saw this big dip and it's been sort of creeping upward since that time. But this is a jump up. This is not a creep <laughs> exactly. up. It's, it's, it's gone up quite a bit. And so now we find that, uh, and this is among those respondents, a randomly selected group that we uh, provided with information about what teachers in their states actually earn before asking them about whether those salaries increase. Yeah, that's right. Increase. You know, the 13 percentage point is among those who were informed. Now, every year we split the sample into two parts, and one half of the sample we give information as to what act- teachers are actually earning on average in their state, and then the other uh, sample, we don't give them this information, and we always find big differences. If they don't have the information, they all think that teacher salaries should go up by 20 percentage point difference. This year, I think it was 18 percentage points, but it's, it's a big difference between those who are informed and, and uninformed, in part because people think teachers are paid a lot less than, in fact, they are paid. They're, people will underestimate that. We've asked people, well, how much are teachers paid? And we get about a 30 percent underestimate. So so when we but this year even among those who were informed wanted to give teachers a salary increase we have just about a majority of the of the public and uh, uh, certainly a much larger percentage think they should be increased than think that they should be left the same or or cut yeah i think it's 49 percent say they should increase and then 
uh, about 44% say they should stay the same. A very small fraction say they should go down. So we're, we're almost to a majority saying they should increase when they're given that information. Uh, of course, a much higher share, 67%, when they don't have that information. Now, um, one of the things we did was we broke out the data uh, according to whether respondents were in one of the six states, Arizona, Colorado, Kentucky, Oklahoma, West Virginia, uh, North Carolina, that actually experienced one of these walkouts to see whether they looked at this issue any differently. And uh, it was striking to see that support for increasing teacher salaries was actually considerably larger, uh, higher in those states that experienced these walkouts uh, than it was elsewhere. Why do you think that was the case? Well, you would think that people would be annoyed, but I think in those states, teacher salaries are pretty low anyhow. Yeah, and they're all do, in the bottom 10 nationally. And we do find more support for increasing salaries where salaries are currently low. So that by itself could explain it. It could explain why you got the walkouts there because there was this latent public support. It wasn't like they were fighting against public opinion they were leveraging public opinion when they went out on strike. Yeah, support was higher in those states if we break it out that way in 2017. Of course, we didn't think to do that, but uh, this was to some degree fertile ground that uh, where teachers... We should have been called in as consultants <laughs> and, and uh, advised the unions as to where they should go out on strike. But uh, no, it didn't occur to us that there were states like West Virginia and uh, Kentucky and in Oklahoma, where there would be a lot of public support if the teachers went out on strike. It's sort of an interesting development. Now, you mentioned the possibility that some of the public might be annoyed by the fact that schools were closed. Um, but when we asked the public about whether teachers should be permitted to strike, we actually found quite strong support for the right to strike. A majority of respondents, 53 percent, said that they support public school teachers having the right to strike, just 32 percent oppose it. Uh, it's somewhat striking given that a majority of states have laws on the books that make it illegal for teachers to go out on strike, including five of the six where teachers did this spring. Yeah, you look at the data and you say, why don't teachers go out on strike more often? I mean, there were, uh, back in the 1960s and 70s especially, there were plenty of teacher strikes, uh, particularly in big cities. Uh, and they usually resulted in very favorable terms for the unions. Uh, so why is it that unions haven't been going out on strike much in the years since that time? That's an interesting question. Why, why it's so you had to have wildcat strikes. These, are, these were wildcat strikes. With all the support for striking teachers, why is it that the unions haven't been using this tool more frequently? So we find increased support for uh, teacher salaries, bringing the views of the public closer to those of teachers themselves. But we also ask not about the level of pay, but about how teachers should be paid, in particular by asking them about uh, whether teachers should be paid based in part on how much their students learn. So trying to get at support for the concept of merit pay. And here we find more of a split between teachers and the broader public. We find 48% of the public expressing support, 36% opposed, whereas uh, among teachers, um, uh, overwhelmingly 73% of them opposed the concept. So does this suggest to you that um, really, uh, I don't know, teachers and their union should try and keep the conversation 
focus on the level of pay rather than the structure of teacher compensation? Well, well, it's the question is whether or not the, the public could push harder on the merit pay thing. I mean, whether or not uh, school boards should press more, that whether they should say, okay, we want to pay you more, but we want to make sure that we pay the best teachers more. And that was the position that was taken in Washington, D.C. by Michelle Ree, and she really pushed on that front, and she actually succeeded and in, in, uh, because the public would be behind her on that. I mean, that, what, the, what the polling data actually shows is that school boards don't take advantage of where the public is. They, 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 can't, they can't get the public to support them if they just say, no, no, we can't afford to pay teachers. But they could say, public support us uh, for a policy that says teachers need to be rewarded if they're really good teachers, because that's, that's what the public really wants from their schools. Um, so that really comes through loud and, loud and clear in, in the poll uh, again this year. We found that in the past as well. Of course, the other big development over the past year related to teachers was the Janus decision in the Supreme Court where the justices uh, banned the collection of agency fees from those teachers and other government workers who choose not to join their unions. Uh, that de decision came down at the end of June so we can't say much about how that may have affected public thinking, but we did ask about the topic in May. Uh, were you surprised by what we found? No, because we had asked this question a year ago and we got the same result this year that we got uh, the year before in 2017. We got basically a majority of the public and a majority of the teachers are opposed to this idea of agency fees. Now, the more you explain it to them, the more the teachers begin to see that there is a logic to having agency fees. And the logic is, is that uh, otherwise people won't join the union and they'll enjoy the benefits of what the union is doing without having to pay anything. And that's always the, been the case. And you do see that uh, there's, there's uh, more support for agency fees when you spell out the argument for it. Uh, and with a balanced argument on the other side. And, and so I would, I would say, you know, the, the very high opposition to agency fees that we pick up by just simply asking about it, it may not be the real level of opposition, but still, no matter how you look at it, there is a plurality of the public who is opposed to uh, uh, imposing this on, on non-union members. And so my interpretation of this is the Supreme Court follows the election returns. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an old phrase that comes uh, 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 from some bartender back in 1902, uh, but it has a lot of currency uh, even today that I don't think that's the Supreme Court would have taken this on if there had been overwhelming uh, public support for agency fees. But after all, there was about half the teachers in our sample, and we have an oversample of teachers. That's one of the things that we really should, you know, hammer home to our audience is that it, we are a poll that asks the same questions to the public as a whole and to a representative sample of teachers. That's a fairly substantial number of them, around 700 of them. And so we can compare the opinions of the public and the teachers on exactly the same issue. And uh, what we find in this case is that not even the teachers are, uh, you don't have a majority of teachers supporting agency fees. What's interesting though, is that doesn't seem to reflect a deep dissatisfaction on the part of teachers with their unions. When we ask teachers whether unions have a positive or 
negative influence on the schools. An overwhelming majority says that they have a positive influence. When we ask teachers uh, their views of collective bargaining, something we did for the first time this year, most of them seem to think that collective bargaining contracts produce reasonable rules that help schools function better. They're reasonably satisfied with unions' political activities. So this discomfort with agency fees doesn't seem to reflect broad dissatisfaction with unions as organizations. Well, yes, I, I, can, I, I, I think you're right on that point, uh, Marty. But on the other hand, there's a big difference between the opinions of teachers who are members of unions and teachers who are not members of unions. I mean, we split the sample into these two groups, and because we have a pretty substantial number of teachers, we're able to really identify whether or not teachers who join unions are different from other teachers. And on lots of issues, they are. Uh, teachers who join unions want uh, teacher salaries to be raised, a higher percentage of them do. Um, and uh, teachers who don't join unions are more willing to support merit pay, because as, as, as just one example. Actually, there's not much of a difference on merit pay. Merit pay is one of the oh, ones that right. seems to unite right. all teachers, you're regardless right. of whether they're members uh, of the right. union tenure. or not. Tenure. It's but teacher tenure, tenure is, is another the one is the, uh, where they, uh, they differ substantially. And also some reform-related issues, universal vouchers, support is much higher among non-union members, charter schools, required standardized testing. So there are a number of issues that really do split teachers uh, based on whether they're members of the union or not seems to me that this raises a question for unions going forward in this post-Janus environment. Do they focus on the subset of issues that really unite all teachers in a way to try and maintain broad membership or, and support as teachers have greater flexibility about whether they're going to be contributing to the union or not? Or do they, you know, uh, I guess, pursue a platform that caters more to their base, to their current members, uh, and one that may alienate some members of the profession. Well, I think the best argument for a union is to say, we're going to protect your job. If the school system fires you, we will fight to keep you uh, on the teaching force, and we will do everything we can. And that's always been the best argument that unions have used in the past, and I, I expect that they will be using that argument even more aggressively in the future. In fact, I think the agency fee rule has made it sort of easy for unions. All they can say is, look, you're going to have to pay an agency fee, and if you join the union, it's only this much more, and this way you can be a solid union member. Now they're going to have to go out there and give the reasons for it. So I think we're going to get a lot more arguments is that we're going to help you uh, we're going to protect you against being fired. Well, there's a lot more we could discuss in this year's poll, Paul. Uh, and I guess we'll have the opportunity to do so on your own podcast, the Education Exchange, which uh, you've been doing over the past year or so, continuing to grow. The audience will uh, talk about Common Core, testing and accountability, school choice, a number of other policies. Uh, and so we'll encourage listeners to give that a listen next week when uh, it comes out. But thank you uh, for now for joining me on the Ednext podcast. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me to participate. You've been listening to the Ednext podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And if you have a minute, please let us know what you think of the show by writing a review.